Okay. Um, so welcome to a bonus episode of the Hammerstone podcast. I will probably title this something like uh, Deep Dive on Sidecar or something, but Sean and Colleen are not here today. So this is me, Aaron, and I am here with my friend Greg, and we're going to talk about... Greg is like the OG sidecar user. I built it, but he probably knows it better. So we're going to do a deep dive into how he's using it and where um, where he picked it up. So Greg, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Greg. I'm the head of software engineering at iSeq Plant, uh, where Australia's largest uh, online construction marketplace. And I've been playing around with sidecar for, I think, probably about four months now. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting, an interesting time. So, yeah, uh, keen to have a chat about how we're using it, particularly with inertia and server-side rendering. Yeah, so I don't even remember. We talked about this for a second, but I don't remember how we first got connected. I was in a, a inertia Discord for a little bit um, back when I was on paternity leave, but I don't think that's where it came. Like that's how we got connected. Do you remember? Yeah, so I was uh, talking to Jonathan uh, about server-side rendering in Inertia for a long time. We had a major project to, uh, to to upgrade our main website, and we wanted to use uh, we wanted to use Inertia because we love it. We think it's fantastic, um, but the sort of SEO complexities around mm-hmm. that meant that we were a bit cautious. <laughs> um, and I've been speaking to Jonathan for for a long time about it. We actually sponsored uh, a lot of his SSR work, um, which was great. Uh, but we used Vapor, and I wasn't sure how that was going to sort of play out. <laughs> I think one morning he sort of pinged me and said, uh, I'm not sure how this works, um, but some guy's telling me about this sidecar thing, and we think it might actually make this Vapor thing uh, play. Um, and another thing, about a month later than that, we actually got it working. I posted something on Twitter, and uh, you, I think you reached out and sort of said, how does that work? So I, I just jumped on a at that point. So. <laughs> yeah. And then we went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You, you, you sure did. Um, okay, so a couple of things in there. Um, first, I think I should probably tell people what inertia and SSR are um, because maybe a lot of people don't know. So actually, I would like to hear why y'all chose inertia because it sounds like y'all are... I don't know much about the company that you work at, but it sounds like y'all are like a big established company. And I'd be mm. curious to hear why y'all chose Inertia um, and you know what you were moving from maybe. Yeah. So um, we have a, a team that's primarily full stack developers. Um, mm. And most of us have a bit of a backend bias, I guess. So JavaScript's a bit of our second language. So we're pretty good um, Laravel developers. We're a full Laravel shop, been using it for years. Um, but our front end was for the, for a long time basically just bootstrap and jQuery. Um, mm. It wasn't terribly maintainable. Um, about two years ago, we started playing around with React. Uh, really liked it, and where we sort of landed with that was React page uh, components, and then using Laravel Blade to uh, effectively translate variables from controllers into props in in um, mm in React. Uh, and then we sort of discovered that inertia just does that for you. Um, and we yep. were able to eliminate... <laughs> you had kind of <laughs> invented inertia. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, inertia gives you a whole bunch of other benefits too. Like you, you, you can sort of have single page applications without having to build APIs, without having to deal with React router, without having to have any client side state management. You can effectively mm. just replace Blade with React or Vue or Svelte. Um, and that just becomes your view layer. Uh, so for people who have a, a, a big backend um, focus, uh, that's way more natural. Uh, we didn't have to learn anything new. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of where, where we ended up. We, we tried it out for a little while on one project. We then had a second project where we were updating something from, from an old Blade template system. Uh, we needed to do a full renovation of, of the UI. And we actually found that more or less, we could find and replace return view with return inertia render. Um, so we didn't have to rebuild any of the back end. We just kind That's of got amazing. this API for free. Um, and yeah. Yeah, the, the developer experience was fantastic. So we just rolled it out everywhere because we, we just found, 
it was incredibly productive for us to use that. Yeah, I I've used inertia on a couple of things, not not very many, but in the past maybe year I've used it on several things. And I'm kind of the same way as it sounds like y'all's team is where I'm 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 a full stack developer, but I much prefer like to live on the back end and yeah. like view, I guess view 1 or view 2, one of the early view libraries was kind of my jam where it was like it's not a single page app. You just are kind of sprinkling some stuff in and then everything moved to like full single page apps. And I felt like, Oh gosh, I don't want to do this whole router thing. And then inertia popped up and I was like, this is perfect because it, it like gives you, <clears throat> it gives you the power of Laravel and SPAs without like the nightmares of basically reinventing a browser in mm. JavaScript, you know, so you don't have to do all that garbage. So yeah, okay, so it gives so you an eighty percent case of of what a single yeah. page app needs to do, um, and and for us that was we were basically using it for internal tools, um, but the odd the odd man out was was our main website because because we have such strong SEO requirements it's it's one of the, mm. the main sources of traffic for us, and I think Google's gotten a lot better at dealing with JavaScript heavy pages in recent years, but it was still a bit scary to think. You know, we're not actually. If we just rolled inertia out without um, SSR, we would sort of be relying on uh, on, on Google to, to parse all of, all of our uh, JavaScript yep. and hope for the best, which was something we weren't willing to sort of look at. So, um, what sort of sucked for us is that we had like ninety percent of all of our applications were running this fantastic stack that we really loved working in, and then our main <laughs> sort of bread and butter website was uh, was sort of not that great to get around from from a development point mm-hmm. of view so yeah um we've been looking at a server-side rendering solution for a while actually one of one of my team members actually was wondering whether or not he could do a pr for for inertia to introduce uh, server-side rendering and then jonathan just sent a message out on twitter to say hey look we're working on this and and we jumped on that because uh for the most part, it meant that we could ha- we could have a uniform stack across all of our all of our projects and, and work in a way that we really wanted to work in. But there's a whole slew of other benefits from 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 usability point of view as well. Like pages load a lot faster. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So y'all, you said y'all were super early on SSR and y'all sponsored a bunch of his initial work. Mm. So it sounds like your team and Jonathan were both at the same time. Like we've got to get SSR working for inertia to be like super viable. And so then y'all just kind of started sponsoring him and y'all were some of the first users of the inertia SSR stuff. Yeah. So uh, I was really happy to be able to sponsor um, his work. I mean, we, we were looking at sort of doing our own pull request or a, or a potentially a plugin or something if we couldn't get that off the ground anyway. So, so we'd already, uh, somewhat committed to an investment in that space. Um, figured that it, was, it, it would be better for everyone if if, if Jonathan sort of did it and blessed <laughs> yeah. it as the way of having exactly. it, uh, having it work. Um, so I was really happy to be able to do that. <clears throat> um, and I, I was sort of bothering him quite frequently because we sort of uh, <laughs> we kicked this project off going, we're gonna have SSR. This is going to get off the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just, let's assume it's going to be there, and we didn't quite have the the, the technology there, and the, the sort of clock was ticking on this project. So uh, I was I was messaging him him quite frequently, and uh, I think one night just before he went to bed, he sent me a, a link to a gist with some really rough instructions on how to get it to work, uh, <laughs> and then I I picked it up. Uh, on the train on, on on the way into work that morning, I think by the time I got to the office, I had I had it working with a uh, with a node server, which was the sort of way that Jonathan was looking at doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think by lunchtime, one of the members of my team had plugged it into Sidecar, which we'd never used before. Then we'd, we'd sort of <laughs> we'd heard about Sidecar from Jonathan, thought this is cool. Um, don't quite know how this is going to work, but let's uh, let's yeah. roll with it and see what happens. And <laughs> Yeah, I think we beat you to the punch by about twelve hours, but that was only by virtue. I think of, you um, did. <laughs> I think that was only by virtue yeah. of timing. Like, um, yeah, yeah, because I think yeah, the next day you had uh, proof of concept up on the um, on the uh, insiders group as well. So, yeah, I remember. Completely. So that that is what I. That's the first thing that I remember was like it, I, it was during paternity leave, so I was like sleeping, you know, every 
couple of hours for an hour or two and then feeding babies and then like hanging out in this discord and writing sidecar and doing all this, you know, crazy stuff with all my, you know, quote unquote free time. And I remember SSR became a thing. And I told Jonathan like, Hey, I think I have a solution for the vapor use case and potentially a lot more. And like I got access cause I started sponsoring him and then I kind of plugged it into sidecar and then I remember, I think you posted maybe on the GitHub issue about Vapor or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, he figured it out before me. And so I messaged you and I was like, hey man, I just figured it out. It looks like you figured it out. So I'm going to let you go first. You post your thing and then I'll come in after because you got there before I did. But yeah, that's that's the first thing I remember was um, when you, like we it seemed like we figured it out at the same time, but you had done it like a day before. And I was like, how, mm. who is this guy? But so I'd one, love to take like, credit, but I got some very smart people in my team who were, um, yeah, it's, who were it right. sounds, it sounds like you have a lot of, a lot of smart. Yeah. And, um, there, there's, there's some real tricks people. in the webpack stuff there that I still don't really understand how that yeah. works, but there was some, nobody understands stuff. how webpack works. <laughs> <laughs> um, so backing up just a little bit. So, everyone else understands so the the server-side rendering bit so what it does is um it renders so inertia sits in the middle between laravel and in y'all's case react right Mm -hmm. and the server-side rendering takes the react app and renders it on the server hence the name and then sends html out which is what you're talking about in google's case it's better Mm -hmm. if they have html to crawl versus rendering JavaScript and maybe getting it wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So the server-side rendering part is the part, it's a feature of inertia where when the initial request comes in, it can take that JavaScript, turn it into HTML and send it back out. And then from then on out, it can do the, you know, the regular requests. But what that needs, like the way, the way that Jonathan set it up is it requires a node process, right? Because it's got a, you know, render the JavaScript. And so the default way that I think he has set it up is you have to run a node process on your server. And that's the part that listens for um, incoming requests and turns it into HTML and sends it back out. And that's great for most people, but in the case where you're running on Laravel Vapor or you don't want to keep a node process running, you need somewhere else to render that because you don't have access, you know, to a running node process. And so that's where, that's where sidecar comes in because sidecar is not a running node process. It's a, it's a Lambda that is just like invoked whenever you need it. So that's kind of like for people wondering like, what, what are you guys talking about? That's kind of the whole process. (laughs) Um, We have to, you have to get a, a, a node like a node process somewhere and that's the trick yeah so um we, we have like an interesting load profile across across most of our system so uh we tend to get really busy during business hours sort of nine to five mm-hmm. uh, across the country and then fairly quiet at night so we always had problems we, and we had to have a lot of server capacity because we have these crawl events that come from um from google and uh, and, and various things so we had to have a whole pile of reserve server capacity, which we, we used to just sort of brute force by having, you know, four servers sitting behind a load balancer, <laughs> but most of the time we we're getting nearly zero utilization on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we jumped on Vapor really early because it gives us the cost control. So we, we only pay for what we use, um, which has been really, really fantastic for us from a, uh, from a cost control point of view. Um, but then you kind of get locked into... <laughs> the sort of limitations of what Lambda can do. You can't run ser- you can't run servers. You can't have things that these long running processes that yeah. you, know, you typically can have if you've got a nailed up server. So um, we we knew that when Jonathan sort of solved the problem with uh, by by using a, a separate node process that we could probably like spin up like a, a container somewhere and then mm-hmm. run the SSR on that container and reach out to it via HTTP. Um, but we were sort of, that would have worked and that would have been fine. And, and if that was the only solution, we, we were completely happy to go down that road. Um, as it turns out, there'd be a lot of challenges there, particularly on the deployment side. Like how, do, mm-hmm. how would you keep, how would you deploy something into, uh, into Vapor mm-hmm. and then keep 
a new JavaScript, a new version of your JavaScript bundle running in sync on another server. It would have been, yeah. it would have been tricky. Um, sidecar just makes that go away because I sort of deploy my sidecar um, uh, lambda at the same in the same sort of build pipeline, deployment pipeline mm. that I'm deploying my main code base. Um, you have that really cool switch where you can deploy it without activating it, so you can wait until everything <laughs> is ready to go and then turn it on at the last second, which is which is really neat. Um, and yeah, it just it, it just works, which is really great for us. I, I think I mentioned to you in a, in a conversation a couple of weeks ago that there's probably only three people in my team that actually know under the covers what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. For everyone else, it just it's just like calling a function, right? It's just like dispatching a command. They don't need to know that there's this rather complex process going on behind the scenes <laughs> with extra lambdas and so on. It's just a really, really great developer experience where I think the um, the calling out to a, a separate server, <clears throat> you wouldn't have been able to establish that kind of illusion where there's nothing, right. you know, there's nothing to see here. It's all it's all taken <laughs> care of for you, which is which yeah. is really great. Yeah, well, I'm well, I'm just. I, like I said, you're the OG sidecar user. I may have written it, but I think you know it better. And this is just this is just really exciting for me to hear. So I kind of want to hear like, so you said you got the node process working on the train, and then later that afternoon you had you'd gotten it running in sidecar. So like, you heard about sidecar from Jonathan, who sounds like didn't sell it very well. He's like, I don't know what this guy's up to, <laughs> but it might work. <laughs> so I'd be curious to hear like when you when you saw it and you got it running and got it working, like what were your kind of first impressions? What did you think was happening? Were you like, was it surprising that it worked or what did you think? Um, yeah, so I, I had a bit of reading. So, so there was a bit of a gap between Jonathan saying this might be a viable solution to your problem and our, and then us having access to the SSR mm-hmm. branch uh, of inertia. Um, so I, I, think, I think in the meantime, there was a, uh, an article on, on the Laravel News um, about it, I had done a bit of looking into it. I thought this is kind of cool. Um, it's it's kind of this missing piece, right? Um, and, and I was thinking about using it for some other things because we do things like generate PDFs and generate images and mm-hmm. so on, and we, we use third-party services for that. But you know, there's plenty of off-the-shelf sort of Lambda components that you could just use that, and then you wouldn't have to integrate with a third-party service. You just call a function and get something back. So I was already kind of looking at it uh, from that sort of point of view as to whether or not it'd be useful, um, sort of outside of our SSR context. Um, the first time I played with it, though, was was when we got this. Uh, we were starting to stand this SSR thing up, and I was really surprised at like it's just really well thought out initial setup process. Um, I was looking at it thinking there is going to be a giant headache of like <laughs> um, of AWS IAM uh-huh. configuration and role management and. Um, and I'm not sure what you're doing. I think you, you might be sort of like tapping into the stuff that Vapor's already set up for you in some degree. So I started out that way. Um, so for for the edification of the listener, what Greg is describing is the AWS IAM, you know, identity management nightmare that everyone just freaking <laughs> hates. And I actually did start out piggybacking on top of Vapor's like execution roles and some of their credentials that were in there. But then I realized you're not going to be able to deploy it via your local machine or GitHub Actions because you're relying on credentials that are living inside of Vapor. So like you'll never be able to deploy except from Vapor, and that doesn't make sense. So the thing that I spent way too long working on, but it sounds like it was a good thing to waste my time on, um, is this this little command that you're talking about where it like the only thing that it asks you for and it walks you through how to get there. The only thing it asks you for is um, administrator keys. So it asks you for admin keys and you give it the admin keys and then it builds everything that it needs and then it destroys the admin keys. So it like wipes them away. So I did start out piggybacking off of Vapor and then I moved to the more interactive walkthrough thing. So it sounds like I may have wasted my time in the right spot that was helpful for you. Yeah, it was really great. I mean, it it also means you don't have to maintain a huge pile of documentation. Your documentation mm-hmm. is basically that command, right? That You run mm-hmm. that command. It'll tell you everything you need to know to get this, like, walking on two legs. And then from there, it's, um, it, it's it was really straightforward to... Aside from the Webpack stuff, which is not your responsibility at all. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, that's not me. <laughs> that's Jonathan. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, it, it was a, a really great sort of sort of 
um, set up to get it sort of walking on two legs. And then uh, I think our first sort of cut at our um, sidecar Lambda function. So you still write a bit of JavaScript and then you tell like a sidecar class that you create where that file is and what needs to be uploaded as part of the Lambda mm-hmm. and so on. Just a, it's just a little tiny little bit of boilerplate you have to put together. And we were able to take most of Jonathan's initial SSR code, just sort of take it out of the Express server and just drop it straight into this yeah. Lambda function and deploy it. And it just kind of worked, um, which was <laughs> shocking. It just like, I, I was expecting... I think I'd like earmarked in, in our in our backlog like three days to <laughs> let's have three days to try and figure this out because so much could have gone wrong and it just didn't. We just yeah. I think a few of us were sort of looking at it slack jawed, going, "It can't be this easy." Like, yeah, this can't didn't have just work. Solved... <laughs> we can't have solved SSR in like a work day. Like it was it was wild. Um, uh, so yeah, we, um, and I, I, we haven't really changed it much beyond that. I, mean, I think we've, we've wrapped um, we've wrapped some of our uh, code around how we reach into it up in some mm-hmm. nice sort of a little driver-based manager that we created so that people could have a local development experience where if they wanted to use a local node server, which can be handy if you're trying to debug what's going on, you can sort of have a yeah, debug sure. stream. Uh, I personally just run Sidecar from my local environment and just, <laughs> just deploy something into Sidecar and run it there and, just, and not play around with that. But aside from that, the actual code that's running in production today is not that different to the code we originally wrote um, in that first sort of um, seven hours of playing with it. So, And it's been super reliable. It's never gone down. Um, before we went live, I threw a massive load test at it. I think I sent you the graph one. We were just beating the heck out of the thing. And we just couldn't get it to break. Our database broke before anything else did. So um, it was... Yeah, it was crazy. It's just super reliable, super simple. Because um, we'd, we'd looked at other ideas. I think the, there's a sparsy package for using server-side, like creating a server-side rendering inside of uh, V8.js in PHP. And we mm. played around with that. And that's really cool, but there's a lot of moving pieces and it doesn't feel, uh, it didn't feel like it was going to be super stable. Um, but yeah, this sort of, inertia vapor sidecar combination is just yeah it's just really great man that is so cool to hear so you you did send me some of those you did send me some of those graphs and i was just like i was like what the heck am i looking at here so talk to me about like the response times because i think one of the like one of people's and rightly so one of their fears is like wait you're asking me so the request comes into vapor which is itself a Lambda. And then it's like going through, you know, the PHP controller or whatever. And then you're calling out to another Lambda from within the Lambda and you're doing your server-side rendering over there and then it's coming back and then going back out to the user. And so I think a fear that people have is like, wait, how long is it taking to, you know, basically shell out to another Lambda running node and get my HTML back. So when you sent me those graphs, I was just like blown away. So you've been running this in production for a while now. So like what's y'all's experience Mm. with response times? Yeah. So that was one of my concerns as well, Um, especially for cold starts. Um, Mm -hmm. So in Lambda, if you haven't been running a Lambda function for a while, there's usually a bit of a delay while it wakes up and gets its pants on and starts working uh, and then it becomes like a warm process that just uh, that, that runs in the background and is pretty pretty responsive um but we have again if we're, we're trying to do the best thing we can from an seo point of view and one of those things is you have to have pages that respond quickly so we have we have like yep. a response budget that we have to have to meet um hmm. so that was a bit of a concern as to whether or not ssr in general sidecar or no notwithstanding was going to be a problem oh. Um, one of the cool things about the way that SSR in inertia works is you're just passing props around. So you, you do all of the heavy lifting in the PHP. You go to your database, which is usually the most expensive part. Uh, you pull your data out, and then you're just sending values uh, across the wire. So the, the, the Lambda function that's running uh, in Sidecar to... You know, sorry, the Lambda function that Sidecar is managing for us um, that's um, producing that HTML is just receiving values just receiving strings um mm. and then building um uh, so it's, it's nearly as fast i think as running react in a browser is um mm-hmm. which is to say it's very fast 
Um, I think our initial experiments, we were looking at about like an average of 60 milliseconds. Um, we upped wow. the amount of memory. I think we run about four gigs uh, on, which is actually a lot more memory running on those sidecar lambdas than uh, running on our vapor lambdas. Um, right. But there's a correlation in, I'm not 100% sure how this works, and I might be speaking out of school here, but when you're, you're, you're right, up, and nobody nobody's a hundred percent sure how it works. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> when when you when you set up a lambda function in AWS, the only real thing you can control is how much memory it has, and there is some relationship between memory and CPU. So if you give it lots of memory, you get more CPU. Um, but I'm not quite sure how much more. <laughs> so yeah, so by giving it more memory, we're effectively giving ourselves more CPU, which is um, in our benchmarking showed that we were able to get a lot more performance out of that um, that sidecar function. I think uh, last time I looked at the thing running in production, we had, I think, an average response time out to the sidecar lambda of about 40 milliseconds with a minimum wow. around 20 milliseconds. Uh, and I think a 95th percentile of about 100 milliseconds. There are occasions where it gets like a lot higher than that. Like so, immediately after deployment, when everything's cold again, we then yeah. have to wear like one or two requests at 300 milliseconds while it sorts itself out. And we haven't really. I, I think you actually did release like a warming solution, but I don't think we've done anything. I did. It. Yeah, I released. Um, I'll be. I'll be curious to hear if y'all end up using this how you like it. But I released a a pre-warming function or a pre-warming flag, basically. So you can deploy your Lambda, pre-warm it. So it'll send, Sidecar will send as a part of the deployment process, it'll send requests to the Lambda before it's activated. And you can, you know, configure if you want to send one or, you know, a thousand or whatever. Um, And then once those are, once those requests are fulfilled, then it will activate after they've been warmed. So like, you know, let's say you're deploying version number 10 and version number nine is active. It'll deploy version number 10 and all of your production traffic is coming into nine. We'll hit version 10 with a bunch of requests um, just from sidecar itself. And then we'll switch the active alias to 10 after it's warm. So hopefully the theory is that you can avoid cold starts altogether, you know, provided you warm enough containers ahead of time. So, And you just... You just include that in your deployment script before you hit the activate, right? Yeah, exactly. So you you do. I think you do um, activate dash dash pre warm. So it'll just as a part of the activation, it it sends out those requests. So it's just another flag on the deployment script. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll after this call's over, I'll uh, I'll check on and I'll let you know how, how that goes. It yeah, it's some, I guess it's the middle of the day for you. You know, it's ten <laughs> o'clock over here, but you still got a work day, so you can. You can yeah. get up to something. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's um, in terms of the performance side of things, it, it's, it's really not as big of an issue as I thought it was going to be. And the other thing is that inertia makes it not so much of an issue because you only have this server-side rendering problem on the initial visit. After that, it's a single-page application. Yeah. It's just communicating That's via um, JSON anyway. So it's the initial hit and also the way that crawlers work that... Um, that you need to wear that sort of extra somewhere between say, let's say 20 and a hundred milliseconds, um, worst Mm -hmm. case. Um, after that, it's, it's just as responsive as a regular inertia app would be hydrates the page, loads everything up and it's, it's just running in your browser at that point. So, um, really wasn't as big a deal as I thought it was going to be. It'd be interesting to benchmark it against blade and see, because I think I think mm-hmm. the, the, the node the node runtime I'd imagine is going to be faster than the PHP runtime anyway, and it'll be interesting I to see so. whether or not whether or not doing this is is quicker. Um, but yeah, it's uh, if anyone's sort of worried about the performance side of thing, it's unless you have had a really intensive performance concern, I don't think it'd be a major issue. And if you had a really intensive performance concern, you you're probably going to be looking at. <laughs> some fairly comp- uh, complex and custom infrastructure anyway. So f- I think yeah. for the 80% use case, it's perfect. Yeah, this is absolutely, that's interesting you say that because when I was writing Sidecar, I was thinking this is not for the hardcore serverless, like for the server, the AWS serverless heroes. This is not, this is not for them. This is for people who find themselves like, 
like you mentioned, not wanting to try to synchronize a deployment to Laravel Vapor plus some you know server on Forge or some container managed somewhere else, or you end up on Vapor and you're like, well, f, I need a node process, or I need you know for whatever reason I need to run some Python and I'm still going to keep my Laravel app. I just want to do a little bit of extra stuff. That's what Sidecar is written for. So, yeah, it's definitely the 80%, the 80% use case, like you said. Um, I'd be curious, like, how does it work with a team? Like, you're you're like a proper team of developers, and you're using this tool that I made that I wrote as an individual and use as an individual. So you t- tell me how that's going. Um, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, it's... Um there's probably only three of us who really understand at a deep level what's going on under the covers. And really of the three of us, there's only one, which is uh, Reese, one of one of the seniors um, that I work with. He, he's the guy that, that, that has really gone to town on, on, on making it work <laughs> um, in a production sense. Um, for the most part, it just gets out of your way. You don't even need to really know that it's there. Like from a developer experience point of view, it really looks an awful lot like dispatching a command. Like, you just call your little sidecar class and execute it as if you were dispatching a command or, or raising an event. <clears throat> so from a from a developer experience point of view, there's there's not it doesn't get in your way. It doesn't get in the way of teams because it kind of just works the way you would expect anything else in Laravel to work. Like if it it almost feels like a first party kind of concept in that way, yes. um, which. <laughs> Um, That's amazing. Which, which is fantastic. I mean, I think where it gets a, a little interesting is when you sort of have people like me who want to use it for a local development um, side mm-hmm. of things. You just really need to run those in separate environments. So, you know, I'm going to run like a, a Greg local environment and deploy to that. So yep. I'm not trampling on a production, um, <laughs> like a production cycle. It is cool though, when you, when you do want to sort of see what's happening in production on your local environment, like you want to just dump out the markup that's coming mm-hmm. through pointed at the production, like locally pointed at what's running in production and see what's going on. That's kind of cool. Oh, dude, I have never, ever thought of that. That really? is the first time that that has occurred to me. So what, yeah, like what, what Greg is describing is when you, when you deploy a sidecar, like it separates it by default, it separates it by environment, right? So you have a local, mm-hmm. you have a, you know, a staging and you have a production and that's so, you can push it to CI and run some tests or you can like be on your local machine and run some tests and you're not clobbering um, the production <laughs> Lambda that's like serving your Google SEO because that would be very bad news. Um, it also has a feature because of y'all. I don't know if you knew that this was because of y'all, but because of y'all, it has a feature where instead of just using the Laravel environment, which is like local dev production or whatever um you can pass through a sidecar environment so like you said you can your sidecar environment can be greg local or aaron local instead of just local so that you know like 10 people on a team can have a local environment and they're not clobbering each other being very confusing so what you're telling me is sometimes you'll just change your sidecar environment to production and just kind of poke around and like see what it's returning yeah absolutely (laughs) That's genius. Well, it's it's it's, it's again it's, it's one of these sort of constraints of operating in a lambda environment. If 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 you've got a problem between the if you've got a problem between sort of Laravel running in Vapor and Sidecar running in Vapor, seeing what's going on between those things can be really really tricky. And I mean, you can dump things out to logs and go and I think the second biggest hell in AWS after IAM is. Uh, CloudWatch logs, so you, you really don't want to be there yes. if you can avoid it. So sometimes it's like if you if you suspect something weird's going on, and I particularly think if you were doing something like I, I want to, if you were running say a, a PDF or something that was running in a sidecar, and someone was sort of saying I'm getting weird PDFs back when I do this, you could potentially mm-hmm. run it locally and then just stream back from a production sidecar the, PD, the the payload that's coming back and sort of be able to see see what the user's going to be able to see while you've got the code open and while you're debugging stuff. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a big <laughs> thing, but it's it's a handy hack when you need it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it may not be a big thing, but it's pretty clever, and I'd never, ever thought of that, so it seems pretty cool to me. <laughs> so yeah, you, nice. you mentioned, I think you've mentioned twice now the PDF thing, so I'll be curious, because the first time 
I, the first time I like got sidecar working properly, I felt like my eyes opened and I was like, what else could I do? Like, what mm. else could I run in a sidecar? What other, you know, node libraries could I wrap up and kind of run without having to think about infrastructure? So have y'all been, it sounds like you've thought of a couple, but what's y'all's yeah, process I'm- there? We haven't gone down the road yet. We still use a third-party PDFing service, but there's a, a lot of these services that we use don't have PHP SDKs, so we're, there, we're writing directly mm-hmm. to their APIs. It's just a real pest. Uh, if you can come up with a way, if you need to like generate a, uh, a screenshot, like if you're screen-grabbing a URL uh, or if you were generating a PDF or uh, if you were I don't know, generating an avatar for somebody with their name on all sorts of things that you could do um, with that because the developer experience is so great in that you just write a little bit of JavaScript and you just call it. You don't have to worry about how do I authenticate against an API? How do I, you know, mm. what are all the status codes that I'm going to have to deal with? What's the shape of this? Do I trust that these people aren't going to change the shape of their API? You can kind of own that. Um, and there's whole piles of really, really small um, node and python libraries out there that people have already written that you can just kind of grab wrap them up chuck them onto a um, onto a lambda and then just call them as if they're effectively call them as if they're just php functions really right so mm-hmm. um, there's a few things there that would be really really interesting another interesting one that, that we run is we, we have a disaster recovery process where i don't bore everyone with the details but we have a no 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 a, tell us <laughs> We have a, a scheduled process um, that runs regularly that effectively backs up our database um, okay. for us. And that's all run using Lambda and set functions and, you know, CloudWatch schedules and so on. There's a, there's a huge uh, CloudFormation script that sort of uh, handles that. So AWS actually provide that. It's in one of their, um, one of their uh, uh, Git repositories somewhere. There's kind of like a recipe for doing this. Um, but I've been thinking recently, given that it's ultimately just calling some lambdas that are orchestrating <laughs> all of this stuff, could I get rid of all the complexity and then just use Laravel scheduler, right? Just have Laravel, just yeah. say every night at 11 o'clock, run the backups and have it just orchestrate stuff that um, that's already there and just do away with all the complexity. And then I'm sort of managing that scheduling code that I understand, not some, you know, confusing CloudFormation script that I... I don't have a huge, huge amount of understanding of. So there's a whole bunch of really interesting little things that you can do. Anytime that, anytime that you want to run one of these Lambda functions, you can potentially like roll them into Laravel and use all of Laravel's cool stuff like queues and schedules and so on, and then just execute yep. them across using Sidecar, which is which is a neat, a neat thing, I think. So yeah, and that's, then you that's, get that's... to you get to keep it Sorry, all like. You get to keep it all in the same repo and you get to keep it all in the same frame of mind and you get to deploy it all together and everyone's always looking at the exact same thing and you're not like, hey, Greg, did you update the cloud whatever, whatever script? And you're like, well, no, now it's out of sync with the app or whatever. And for the long running, like I assume the, the, you know, the database backup stuff is long running. Um, I, I haven't really had a need for it but you can dispatch those sidecars like asynchronously and just not mm-hmm. wait for them like you just exactly. dispatch them and get out of there and yep. that sounds perfect for the backups huh yeah yeah so that's that's something that i'm, I'm really keen to, to look into so um it also means that i can i don't need everyone who needs to manage that backup process to have access to more parts of aws like Mm. there's people in my team who, who have access to vapor but then don't need access to like the production aws environment which is um which is great uh, and, and the more that i can pull back into the code and not have running over in weird processes that you know we, we don't have a great understanding of a lot of the time because we don't have that in-house expertise we're sort of relying on aws to tell us what to do uh, in a lot of regards yep. there um yeah, the more we can pull in the code, the more we can manage and the more we can own it. And if things go wrong, it's easier for us to debug. And we don't have to elevate people's privileges to things that you know we might not want to or uh, might be uncomfortable mm-hmm. doing. So yeah, it, it, there's, a, there's a huge pile of like interesting quality of life things and, and management and maintenance things that, that, that Sidecar enables. So yeah, it's really cool. What kind of traffic are y'all doing? So tell me again the name. You're, the company is iSeekPlant HQ, is that right? Yeah iseekplant.com.au is the is the company. Com. I don't have the traffic okay. figures um, to hand, but it's it's a fair bit. Um, 
I think the yeah, I, I actually don't. I don't have the numbers uh, to hand today, so uh, I can't really disclose that. But yeah, it, it's a fairly busy, well-trafficked website. So we're the largest marketplace of its type in Australia. Um, okay, so, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's it's, uh, it's, we, it's a lot of traffic yeah so we, we service the construction industry right so we're connecting people who are looking for construction services and heavy plant equipment all the way from you know small residential jobs right the way up to giant mine sites um, and we have people um, who are looking for equipment or looking for construction services every day coming to our site and trying to find um, the right companies to work with and, and we sort of manage the connection between those um uh, between those parties, um, so yeah, there's, there's there's a fair bit of business gets done on the platform uh, every day. And how big is your uh, Laravel team, or I guess your general development team? I assume they're all Laravel. Yeah, yeah. So we're all full stacks, and we've we've, we've proudly maintained. Let's be full stack. Um, we find that most of the problems we solve are full stack problems, and we we haven't yet got to the point where having a dedicated React person would be. Um, beneficial um some people have gotten really good at react though which is especially as we've moved into inertia so we have some people who have some really great expertise in that area there's 11 of us in the team currently so we've divided up into four squads um three squads who are working on on new products and new features uh, enhancements to existing um uh, products that we maintain and we have a, a platform and architecture team that's looking at all the good work that those people are doing and then sort of putting it on rails and and making it um making it easy to, to replicate uh, across those teams. So it's, it's quite a large team, certainly not the biggest team um, that I'm aware of that's using Laravel, but um, in terms of um, a lot of the Laravel community that I'm aware of, where, where yeah, I mean, like you said, you, you, work, you work by yourself more or less. So yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah we, um, so I, all the sidecar stuff I did was all side project stuff. So that's all, mm-hmm. You know, obviously by myself at my full-time job, there are three of us um, total of which I am one. So there are three Laravel developers and we're in a, you know, similarly um, unsexy space. We're in like real estate taxes. Um, Mm -hmm. But all of our, like all of our work is pretty much internal. We service our employees basically. So we build a, you know, CRM and process automation stuff for our employees. So I never, ever really think about like, you know, traffic or is the site going to stay up or whatever. So if Mm. you're telling me you're the largest, you know, construction marketplace in Australia, you're doing, you're doing a a lot more than I am. But yeah, I feel like 11, 11 is, is a big team for me. I know for some they're like, Mm. Oh, that's so small. But for me, that's, that's a huge team. So that's, that seems pretty cool. How long have you been there? I've I've been with the company for uh, I think this is my fifth year. Um, wow! Now so yeah, uh, we've had a lot of growth over the last, particularly over the last two years. So so a lot of a lot of the a lot of the team we have now um, has sort of joined us within the last two years. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of the people who who've, who've built all this cool stuff have really helped out with this. You know, rearchitecture to, to react and and inertia mm-hmm. and, and new people that we've brought on sort of in the last twenty four cool. months, which. Um, which is really cool. Wow. Um, part of the advantage of having a large team is you end up with a lot more brains in the room. So the, the <laughs> yeah. pace at which you can the pace at which you can do cool stuff just kicks right up because you're not relying on one or two people to have all the ideas. You've got this huge melting pot of, um, you know, I've tried this at my previous business and how, how do we mix that with this other thing that we've got going on yeah. over here? And um, we just find there's this huge acceleration that you get when you have um, a whole bunch of smart people in a room working together. It's really cool. Okay, so Greg, listen, every like week or two, you DM me something that's like three levels above my head. And you're like, hey, what if what if you tried this? Or hey, I was thinking about this. And what if we did this? I need you to be like, I need you to be more public. I need you to be writing and I need you to be like tweeting and telling me, like explaining all of these. You DM me and you expect me to understand. And I'm like, dude, you're so far beyond me. So do you write anywhere do you i know you don't tweet a lot i I think you have a couple times in the past week but like you don't tweet very much and i haven't seen a lot of writing so i need more access to your brain (laughs) i'd love to do more writing i've done i i've i wrote an article um about eight months ago on linkedin 
I, I made a commitment at the beginning of the year that I would write an article every week, and I wrote one article. <laughs> I didn't write anything after that. So, um, yeah, I, I have an article floating around on LinkedIn on, on continuous deployment and continuous delivery to production, which is... Um, I mean, it sounds great. Yeah, that's kind of the space that I, I really like playing in. You know, I, I really like workflow, and I really like you know reducing the time to deliver value to users. It, it's sort of mm-hmm. like my passion, I guess. Um, yeah, so I wrote this article, got a, a fair bit of, uh, of good feedback on it, and then sort of got busy, and life got in the way, so I, <laughs> I, I stopped writing, which was uh, yeah. so that was that was that was a shocker on my part. Um, I, I do run the the Brisbane Laravel meetup, which has been growing in strength. Oh, cool. Um, uh, we haven't had it for a little while. We've we sort of had a, a bit of a mini COVID lockdown recently, and that kind of mm-hmm. uh, put pay to that. But um, I think last time we ran it, we had Muhammad from Laravel come in and talk oh, to us great. about Laravel Octane. So um, yeah, uh, that was really cool. And I think off the back of that, I had some chats with you about Laravel Octane running in Vapor, which I think is probably the next yep. area where we'll do some damage. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, I'm still secretly um, hoping actually, that Taylor's going to pick that one up again. They they recently closed that issue, but I'm hoping they'll pick it up. Yeah, they closed the issue, but said that it's been moved to their internal backlog. So I, I'm, I'm taking that as they're yeah. working on it. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping. We'll see. So what what we're talking about is I figured out a way to run um, Octane, which is Laravel's like, uh, what would you call it? What would How would you like describe a- Octane? like an async long-running it kind of it kind of breaks the way php works a little bit right so it moves from a yeah. shared nothing to a to a daemon yeah. sort of style um yeah it's, it's a tricky one to kind of I don't, I don't know that i can get it out in one sentence what it is yeah so like the i guess the makes php the high level fast. view is yeah it makes php fast and makes it so you don't have to boot the laravel framework over and over and over again i think that's probably mm. the key part and I figured out how to get that running on Vapor, which would shave off maybe you know twenty to thirty to forty percent of the response time in Vapor, which would be you know amazing if you don't have to like reboot the Laravel framework each time you're just running your app code. So we've Greg and I have messaged about it a little bit, and I'm hoping that I opened a big you know issue on uh, one of Laravel's repos with like exactly how i did it and they looked at it and were like we'll do this maybe later (laughs) yeah it's one of those things i think that one has to be for that to work i think it has to be part of the like the blessed path but i don't think you could do that as an add-on it's kind of there's some spicy things in there that (laughs) no i was i was like i was dipping into like the container runtime like part of mm. part of the way that I got it to work was during the deploy process. I overwrote the runtime handler that Lambda oh, wow. uses with Vapor, and it's like that's not a good thing. Like that's not a good thing to be doing from the outside. And I don't want to be personally as Aaron. I don't want to be responsible for dorking up somebody's you know runtime yeah. when like Vapor inevitably changes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. <clears throat> But yeah, that'd be cool if that, that gets on the ground. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for us, that'd be great. Again, it's, I'm looking at this stuff from an SEO and from a page speed performance point of view, and if I could get uh, 40% of that time back, that that would just be golden. So, yeah, I'd be really, yeah. really keen to see that. Um, uh, I'll, I'll pray to the Laravel gods to see to make sure we get yeah. over the line. Yeah. Okay, so... We agreed you're going to write an article every week for the rest of the year. I think we agreed on that. <laughs> um, I'll try. But you're not you're not going to post it on LinkedIn because I'll never see it if you post it on LinkedIn. So post it on Twitter. Um, so last thing on Sidecar, is there anything that I need to fix or anything that I need to add? Or have you, this? and, and this would be great, have you just completely forgotten that Sidecar exists and you just go about yeah. your day job? Well, wow, that's probably that's the great. biggest compliment I can give you, right? Is yeah, that's it great. It feels like it's it feels like it's first party, and like I don't think about how commands work or how queues work. I just use them, and they just stay out of my way. Yeah. And sidecar is kind of the same. It's just um, it's just there. Um, I it yeah, it doesn't fall over. It doesn't give me any pain. It's just and, and I mean even even those little like sidecar classes you have to write that sort of tell it how to deploy and, and mm-hmm. what, what files to upload and so on. It's the smallest amount of boilerplate. Like I think ours is, I don't know, 
it'd be lucky to be 15 lines of code just to kind of say, this is where the JavaScript is. These are the things you have to upload. This is what I want to call it. Go away. Um, so yeah, I mean, from my point of view, it's, um, yeah, the biggest compliment I can give you is that it just, we just don't even think that it's there. And in fact, the hardest part about the whole SSR thing is not thinking about sidecar. It's, it's remembering that you can't do things like access document or access window if you want anything to work. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's not something that Sidecar can, can help with. But you yeah. know, that's kind of where we're thinking. It's like, oh, we don't access document, don't access window inside of your, mm-hmm. your components because you're, you're going to have a bad time. It's not do this really complicated thing and, and build your components in an awkward way because that's the only way that it'll work with Sidecar. There's none of that at all. It's, it's just, yeah, completely yes. stays out of our way, which is... Yeah. It's so weird. I'm so like it I'm thrilled to hear that you just don't think about it and like you've basically forgotten that it exists. Like that's that's amazing. That means it's It's a double edged sword though, because you don't think you don't think that it's there when you sort of when you when talking about some of these like creative problems it could solve. It's because yeah. it stays so far out of your way, it's not the first thing that you go to when you're trying to solve the problem. And then you know, in the middle of the night you'll wake up and go, Oh, hang on a second, there's that sidecar thing that could probably do something yeah. like that. So. <laughs> also, I'm never I'm never gonna get famous if everyone that uses it just forgets that they're using it. <laughs> You just need to introduce some really painful DX just so that everyone has to remember. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. So I think that's, I think that's probably, that's probably good. We can probably leave it there. I mean, that's the deepest we've ever gone on sidecar anywhere. This has been a thrill. I'm so pumped to hear how y'all are using it. And the fact that y'all don't think about it makes me so happy. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. provided that it's not on LinkedIn, where can people find you online if they do want to keep up with you? Uh, so, I'm on Twitter. I can't even remember my Twitter handle. I think it's at Greg Skirman, uh on Twitter. I, I can't we'll either. Let me look. Chuck it on the show notes or something. Yeah, um, I'll put it on the show notes. Greg Skirman, S-K-E-R-M-A-N. Yeah. And tell me, um, tell me about this avatar. Is this one of your children? It is. That's my eldest. A long time ago. When, no. Yeah. Long time ago, yeah. She's seven now, Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that is probably seven years ago. <laughs> I probably okay, and then your um, your company is iseekplant.com.au. Is that right? That's it. Yeah, iseekplant.com.au. And then tell me, um, again, you said Brisbane Laravel Meetup? Brisbane. That's the one you yeah, run? The Brisbane Laravel Meetup. Um Okay. When I do tweet, I generally tweet about that. So um, perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, well I'm not trying this to is come in, come in for a talk on the next one, eh? Oh, I would love Being that. Win. That would be so fun. Yeah, I would love that. Cool. This is this has Solid. been a blast. Tell tell your team, um, just give them all of my thanks for. I think they had some good suggestions for Sidecar, and let them know if they ever need anything. Reach out to me, and thank you for DMing me great ideas at all hours of the night, my time. And then I, I'm agreeing. sorry about that. The time zones are a killer. Aren't they? <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Yeah. I, I'll wake you up, wake up in the morning with you know, an extreme of consciousness. <laughs> exactly. I do. And I'm like, hang on, it's too early. What the hell is Greg even talking about? <laughs> but no, it's a lot of fun and this has been great. And thank you yeah. so much for coming on to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been great. We should do it again sometime. Yeah. We will. All right. Talk to you soon. Later. Bye.